Welcome to Beyond Dollars and Cents. I'm your host, Dr. Lyle Bolin, and hope you enjoy this edition of Bolin's Alley. You can always find more about us at alleninvestments.com. Robin, it's good to see you today. I'm scared when you say that at the onset of a podcast because I know that means I have to really pay attention. Not that I don't normally, but I have to be very focused when you're running the podcast. I don't want your mind to wander too much. You're not, I know you're not going to let me because you didn't even coach me coming into nope, this. Nope. But you do sort of know we did another podcast talking about artificial, artificial. intelligence, which mm-hmm. is the rage, right? Right. But how that's going to have an impact over the next several years as we get closer and closer to really having, in actuality, quantum computers. I remember both of those parts. Okay. Well, today, what I want us to walk through, and again, this is sort of picturing the future. And we all know if we go back and read predictions from 50 years or 100 years, seldom do any of those ever come true. Some come close. But we're just conjecturing. Correct. And that's kind of like the whole Jetsons. Remember the Jetsons? Com- Absolutely. That cartoon and people laughed about being able to do crazy things. And, and we're doing half of those crazy things now, right? Well, and, and I remember growing up, Dick Tracy and the Oh, the watch. The sure, watch. sure. And now I do that. I answer the phone on my watch. That To me, that and the cell phone are the two craziest of all of it. So, but... And a lot of the what I'm going to use aren't my ideas. I want to I want to give the author full credit, an amazing physicist. Okay, and he wrote Quantum Supremacy. Okay, and we talked a little bit about that last week, and and a lot of what he envisions and what we're going to talk about potential impacts really are things that I read in his book that I would highly recommend to anybody that wants to to kind of follow up on this. It's only been out about two months now, uh, okay. so it's still in hardcover. Okay. But great book. Okay. If you're interested in it, is is it on, on Audible? It probably is <laughs> okay. actually. That's probably the best way for me yeah. to uh, absorb that Dr. information. Kaku, I'm not sure if he actually does the reading, but I'm pretty sure it's on Audible. Okay. Okay. So, what we're going to talk about and and really what we're already seeing is the race really is on in different industries and in different corporations on getting quantum computing actually to work. It's it's really tough because we're really talking at things at the, the subatomic level. And so when you start talking about things on electrons or protons and doing computing on those sort of things, you really, one, it's hard to get your mind around. But two, we're, we're talking about things that because of just quantum theory in general, it's really hard to pin them down. So you have to slow the action down, which means currently the temperature has to get very close to absolute zero to have minimum motion to where you can actually identify where they're at and okay. run some of these computations. And as you can imagine, they're very sensitive to noise and to any other interaction. So you need very, very quiet rooms. You think about how you have to have rooms that are clean of bacteria, et cetera, for sterile. surgery. Mm-hmm. Very sterile. Well, this isn't just necessarily sterile, but it's unbelievably quiet locations. What about, I know this This is going to be the crazy, stupid question. What about light sensitivity? Is that well, another factor? Absolutely, because if you think about the light, as the light waves 
hit, right? Mm-hmm. That that accelerates that accelerates action. Okay. So no, that wasn't that, that was very good. Actually, yeah, see, I'm paying attention. We're yes. three minutes in. <laughs> yes. Well, and and this, you know, this is the type of thing that if you go back a hundred years to where all the physicists basically were in two camps, you had the one camp that could not fathom that light was a particle. You were mentioning light. And then what was showing up in experiments and other ways of trying to track this is that it was more of a wave. And it was like you had the one side that absolutely believed it was a wave. So you had Niels Bohr on one side and Heisenberger on another one and Schrodinger on another one. And Einstein was, the whole thing seemed insane to him, even though he was the one that triggered a lot of it. And you had like 17 Nobel Prize winners, either current or future, that got together at the Solvay conference that I think you asked me about last time. It was actually 1927. I said 37. We did correct that, yes. I was, I was, I was wrong on the program. But, but I'm just saying, that was such a huge debate on how, you know, is it a wave, is it a particle? And, and it all gets back into probabilities. And so the same sort of things start happening with probabilities. So one of my quick examples that I may have used before, but to get us started on why this is so difficult and could be so powerful is that as a kid, I used to, in the fall, you would have around Halloween, you would end up with these mazes, would be corn cut out of the corn mm-hmm. stuff, right? And so you could get in and get lost trying to get to the other end. Well, my, my analogy to this is with quantum computing, it would simultaneously look at every possible way I could go through that maze and very quickly, almost instantaneously, pick the quickest one and away I'd go. But it looks at all the probabilities. At the same time. At the same time. And so now think about whether we're talking about medical breakthroughs, whether we're thinking about cancer detection, where you don't have to go through a long period of time uh, having people and, and physical experiments to where you can now actually run all these hypotheses through hundreds of millions of possibilities and track them through quantum computing and and start to narrow down potential cures for almost any type of disease that we can imagine out there. So that's on the very high end. I immediately think about all the alternative paths that one time while on I-4 headed to Orlando, and I'm thinking about, okay, where do I go? How do I get out of the madness? But it's the same It's the same, same thing. concept. Yeah, and if you think about potential travel, not just cars, but trains, planes, mm-hmm. that it isn't a stretch that once you have quantum computing that these things could link into all of these systems. And basically, you could, uh, let's say 30 years from now, you could get in your, you could have a car come to you. It could be your car. It could just be maybe you don't own cars anymore. But you would have your car that would come to you when you're ready to go to work. You would get in. It would take you to work. You would say, I plan to be done at 5. Can you pick me up then? And because of quantum computing in the system, it would automatically go and look at all the available parking spaces, would go to park at the closest parking space available, and would stay there until you were ready for it. I, mean, I would say that's crazy, but it doesn't seem so far out of the realm of possibility. And so if you think about what that does from lowering the impact on, on our atmosphere, right? Mm-hmm. And th- these would be electric vehicles or 
who knows what unmanned hydrogen I mean, maybe even right, right? Mm-hmm. unmanned mm-hmm. and and you would have so many fewer accidents so you wouldn't lose lives the way that we lose so many now through a lot of those accidents mm-hmm. so you you get all these efficiencies and if you think about well we're we're going to talk about them as we go along here but there's so many areas that having the ability to look at millions and millions of options quickly to filter out things that might actually work is is really beyond kind of what we can comprehend at this point. So if you really carry all of that thought process out, ultimately we live longer or as long as our bodies, as long as this vessel is A, treated well. I mean, when you when you talk about finding cures to cancer and heart disease and, you know, all, diabetes, all of the above, and you eliminate traffic accidents, I mean, that sounds, that does sound a little frightening. No, it, we'll talk about this in the next segment because you raise a really interesting issue and it gets into to moral and ethical issues, right. obviously, Right, that's where too. I was going with it. That's what it is frightening. And, but in some ways, you could almost get to the point to where you would think about your career as multiple careers. You would have one career, and then at some point, technology would have changed, things would have progressed, and you would then move into a whole nother career. Maybe. At, at regardless of what number you are. Yes. Age would not... Would it not, would be no longer be relevant. I, right. That was ultimately because my point. Because you could basically probably... Again, there's limits... To how things, sure, I'm how not going to be a gymnast at 93, right. probably. But you could well. Now, if we think about a traditional working life from, let's say, 20 to 65, which is already stretching. But if you think about 20 to 65 mm-hmm. as a 45-year career path, mm-hmm. that could easily, in another two generations, be a 90-year career path based on, on some of these things that we might learn to get better. So when we come back here in just a minute, let's let's explore a little bit of the the moral issues and what might actually happen when we do that. So stay with us. We'll be back in just one minute. Welcome back to Beyond Dollars and Cents. I'm your host, Dr. Lyle Boland, here on Boland's Alley, and uh, glad to have you along here today. We're talking about this whole area of artificial intelligence and quantum computing and some of the impacts that it might have going forward. And uh, I, I wrote a little, a little comment on like a hypothetical day in, in 2050. Okay. Let's right. hear it. So let's say you woke up, you wake up in the morning, personal robotic assistance on your wall screen. Cause you got your, you got your wall screen up mm-hmm. there. It's 6.30 a.m. universal time, because in a global economy, we'll all be on the same 24-hour cycle, Cycle, right? And uh, the robotic assistant says, you told me to wake you up at this time. Uh, I have analyzed uh, your bodily functions, prepared a drink for you to address your current vitamin and immunology needs. And hydration, I would hope. And of course, hydration. Okay. And uh, then this robotic assistant shares that a few cancer cells had started to develop last month. They've now been destroyed. You're at zero risk of developing at that site. Uh, 
Because what is happening now, and this actually is potentially possible, is that basically your wastewater can be analyzed automatically by a bio lab where you're effectively going through a medical checkup several times a day. The ability would be there at quantum computing level to literally have that computer hooked to wastewater. That is just insane. That would immediately analyze all the possible potential problems that you have and come back with an analysis, come back with a treatment and a methodology to keep you healthy. Now, again, we're, this sounds like science fiction, mm-hmm. but this, this is not outside the realm of, at least I will say, probability. Okay. So now, let's say one of the other things that you have discovered is that quantum computers have finally figured out how to stabilize hot gas inside a fusion reactor. Okay, so the almost an unlimited amount of energy can be garnered from fusing hydrogen into helium that could basically get rid of the energy crisis. Um, before we get outside to our um, fully automated vehicle that will transport us or whatever it is you have in this uh, in this episode, do I have a trainer in this? Ep- I, I, I just want to understand, is there someone helping me work out? Absolutely. Okay, good. Absolutely. Good. And, and the thing is... Can they do it for me? No. <laughs> oh, okay. So no. this could be the only thing that quantum computing can't solve for. Yes. I gotcha. But if, if, but if you think about it, your trainer would know exactly what you need on any given day. Based on that other report that came out. On all the other out. feedback. Right. Okay. So they could get you to your optimal level of health if you followed through. Mm-hmm. Which, again, if you think about it, your ability to continue to operate effectively in society is going to be stretched out a number of years, much longer. And you'll want to do that. You'll feel like doing that. Wow. So, <laughs> so you know, you, you, you think about, all right, again, this, this next one, I've gone a little farther out. All okay. right. But you now turn on your morning news, okay, up on the screen. And uh, you see headlines based on your profession, whatever that may be. So all that would be automatically fed into your whatever your work area of expertise is, other hobbies that you have. Those we're already almost there to a large degree on getting news feeds, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, our content is driven based on our behaviors. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we're. I mean, that's not really a stretch. But in this particular case, you see in the headlines that the astronauts on Mars, oh boy, yes, have successfully built a solar panel <laughs> and a bank of supporting batteries because they've greatly improved the storage capacity of batteries because of quantum computing, mm-hmm. and now it can store energy for the entire colony on Mars. So those sort of otherworldly, if I'll put it that way, things as far as solar energy storing capacity, the sort of the runway of how long it will take to make progress Mm -hmm. is going to be greatly shortened because of the ability of quantum computing. Okay. Is is my point on all these. So basically, if you think about that, the dependence on coal and oil would be greatly reduced. Mm -hmm. The computers really uh, 
in the medical field probably will have figured out by then how to prevent the buildup of amyloid proteins that's been found to be one of the root causes of Alzheimer's. So by testing these sort of things over multiple periods of time that have been compressed, they're going to be able to potentially pin down how to stop that production that triggers Alzheimer's, for example. Mm. Because it's the type of disease that probably would be uh, a good target for quantum computing of what it could accomplish based on how quickly it could run through all those different therapies. So that would be another obviously huge advantage. So your, your morning meeting, by the way, by the what time you got to work, it's virtual. I mean, you have an office, mm-hmm. but almost every company is global now. What happens to competition? Well, there's competition and you're competing against all these others, but you have people literally all over the world and you've got your earpiece in that basically now immediately translates every varying language from the international team that you work with into your own native language. I'm, I'm sitting here shaking my head and our audience can't see. I, it's, that's a lot to wrap your brain around. And it is. But, but to think about, you, I couldn't do this, certainly. But I am pretty sure, and, and any of you out there that, that love to do programming, this would be a nice challenge. You could basically go out there now, and you could probably already start transferring the, or translating the Bible, almost using artificial intelligence, to almost instantaneously into other languages. Mm-hmm. That would not only do it verbally, but would also have sort of the tonal quality of of let's say if Hebrew has a certain way of how it sounds and the rhythm. Okay. By translating it into English, not only would it give you the English, it would give you the same quality of how you read it with the same pattern, with the same rhythm. Mm. That's going to, artificial intelligence is going to help us do things like that. Which again, it's, it's pretty amazing when you stop to think about it. And again, Obviously, what I'm talking about, 2050, predicting a year into the future is a risky business, right, with low probability. But what I'm trying to talk about today gets back, and by the way, a lot of these specifics come directly from that final chapter in Quantum Supremacy by um, Michio Kaku. Um, So those are are just some of the things when you you mentioned, are these going to be moral? type interactions, right? How do we, how do, how do we have people and different businesses competing? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we try to monitor, let's say if things start to get control of weather, how do, we, how do we keep other countries that might not leave us, that could send catastrophic weather events onto other countries, for example, if that ability is there to figure out what really will trigger those sort of weather events. So that's another sort, I mean, that's a, Human ability to to, um, to manage Mother Nature, to I, that's again moral. No, it does. That, that's a that's a big struggle. It is, and I think does the, that become the, the new type of warfare? It well, it very well could. I, I mean, it really could. Hmm. Well, and and then. You, the warfare is probably more likely to be where you can interrupt entire electric grids. 
you know, from from mm-hmm. space, for mm-hmm. example, and find quicker ways to do that around. I, there, I mean, the, the frightening like it, part of this. There's a lot. That, there's a lot to to con- to to really consume with that. I mean, when you start talking, and I'm still stuck on Mother Nature. <laughs> when you start thinking about messing around with that, you're you go beyond. Well, humans, obviously, but now you're talking about the whole circle of life and, you well, know, you, what, what's in the ocean and, you know, what flies in the air. The, the, the real risk, obviously, from human nature standpoint is now you try to play God. Well, that's exactly where I was going without yeah. saying that. Yeah, you try to play God. And that's, as I said, there's... There are people who would tell you right now that we as human beings are starting to run down that path, have been running down that path, not just starting. It, it it opens up some interesting things we can talk about a little more than nitty-gritty on some of these different fields. And I think that'd be a great topic to, to leap into when we come back after this break. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Beyond Dollars and Cents. Uh, I'm your host, Dr. Lyle Bolin. With, this is another version and edition of Bolin's Alley. And by the way, as we're, we're kind of getting down into the weeds here on artificial intelligence and, and quantum computing, some of what we're talking about today relates back to another podcast that, that we did a while back. And so if you've missed that, I would encourage you to go out to Allen Investments and, and look it up. It'd be out there available. Yeah, I believe it will be available next week, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, the first part of July. Yeah. So... And and again, one of the the fun things that that I get to do uh, with my background are, are talk about these sort of things as they as I want to challenge you to think about because it really always gets back to service with me. Mm-hmm. How do you serve? How because because we're meant to serve other people. We are whatever religious background you have. I think at our core as human nature, we're we get our most satisfaction, believe it or not, when we're helping other people. You may not think that sometimes, but if you really reflect back when you've really done something for somebody else, that's a whole different feeling mm-hmm. that lasts longer than maybe the immediacy of a, of a victory that you've maybe had in a sporting event, for example. And it's an even greater feeling when it's done with absolutely no intention of receiving anything. Right. That's what real service That's what real is, service right? is. It's not giving to get. So, yeah. It, I, I would be hard-pressed to think anybody could debate that with you, that there is a better feeling. Yeah. and, and so, and, but, but all of these things, there's pros and cons, obviously, as, as some of these new, new events take place. And I, I, Well, just think about some of the things now when, when many stores now that have self-checkouts if they're membership-based organizations, uh, Netflix lately has switched to where they you have to be in the household now. And so they've got with the password sharing and everything. Well, I was afraid to read that email. It came through two days ago. I need to go back and look at it. <laughs> and I'm not a big Netflix, but, but the point is, is that here's a great thing. But because of families sharing passwords, the business end of it is losing money. Well, now you're starting to see certain... Uh, stores that have membership driven that you have to have a membership card, but in their self-checkout, they're still finding that they're giving friends and family their membership card. So some of them, I won't mention names, but there's a particular one now that's going to start requiring to also have a photo ID 
in addition to the membership card because the same sort of Netflix problem has happened, that you've got this convenience. One already has the picture ID. The other one does not. Right. I'm just going to leave it at that. (laughs) But I'm just saying, every good sort of thing that makes our life quicker and easier, the, the temptation is that there's sort of bad side effects sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, well, let me let me kind of go down in, into why this is going to take some time to really develop. Um, because if you think about the amount of hardware that you have to have, I already mentioned that the temperature problem and, and all that, but you're going to have to have superconducting cabling that isn't really in existence yet microcontrollers at a much smaller level than they are now, higher-end lasers. You're going to have to have, again, I think the right term is cryogenic electronics that operates at temperature at, at <laughs> super low temperatures. And so even though we're getting closer, probably within 10 or 12 years of, of the first active quantum computers that, that really have many qubits as opposed to bits, the quantum bits, as opposed to just bits that are currently in computers. There's going to be a lot of bottlenecks along the way. There's going to be a lot of, of uh, market growth. But as I said, right now, none of them are sufficiently stable to have enough qubits in their processing power to make them sort of do some of these things we're talking about. But with artificial intelligence, uh, we're going to be able to quickly go through ways that paths that might work quicker than we could otherwise on, on depending on ourselves. So what we get, as I've said in our last broadcast, I want to kind of repeat here as we're talking about these things today is that quantum computing accomplishes a large number of operations in a single step. Whereas currently computers, silicon wafers can only do one step at a time. So it's that, that excitement about the potential to address things like climate control, healthcare in particular, that really brings out, because think about the simulations that you could do for modeling weather events from millions of variables. You could put in all of this past data, and because and, now we're able to collect this data from all, simultaneously look at all of those to look at impacts and potentially find ways to, to ameliorate what we've seen in different different parts of the world. You know, you could you could get rid of these deserts or the droughts and find ways for for water to come in and to have rain. And and so these sort of simulations in quantum computing is the type of thing in in specifically climate and healthcare, in particular medicine, that I think the has the greatest potential when I started talking about future steps. Um, they're not faster in, in one sense, than classical computing, it's just there millions are doing it at the same time. So you've got millions They're better of better multitasking. Yes, you've got mm-hmm. millions of them doing it at the same speed. Mm-hmm. And so that really delivers a lot more efficiency. Um, and you get rid of, of, the, of the things that don't work. You know, you can see, all right, which ones have too many carbon dioxide emissions? Uh, how do we get sustainable long term? I mean, again, I'm not a climatologist. I'm you know, I, I can't, but I'm just saying those that are in the field mm-hmm. are going to have new tools that could potentially greatly change change our, our lives as far as being able to, to con- control the climate. And in, when it comes to medicine, of running those simulations on how cells evolve. particularly evolve. Mm-hmm. 
and and how do you stop disease and how do you identify them quicker? What are certain triggers that are out there? So I, I love thinking about these these segments of of whether it's cancer detection or other things. But give me a couple of thoughts that you have because you were you were I, I could see some things in your mind that you know little concerns or you know one of the things I'm curious. I mean, we're we're based in the state of Florida. So when we talk about manipulating weather, and for lack, that's a maybe not the right word to use, yeah, but it true. feels to me like there is manipulation involved. Um, that certainly is an upside when we think about, um, especially over recent years, uh, the the volume of hurricanes yes. and the devastation um, places not only like Florida but particularly New Orleans. Um, in, in some of the low-lying areas. So I, I think about that, and I think, to me, that feels like a good, that, that's an act of goodness coming from this. But, yeah. but we know that as we become um, more educated, uh, have more power, um, there is potential for, it generally doesn't run down the middle. It's generally not very gray. It's black or it's white. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I wonder, I wonder if that takes away from us as human beings, our ability to be more profound thinkers or less profound thinkers, because we have equipment, we have, you know, machinery doing a lot of the work or the heavy lifting. What does that do to education? What does that do to communication? I mean, you talked about, you know, the typical day 50 years from now and, and what that might look like and the earpiece. And so in this global economy, I, everything's being translated. Do we talk to each other more? Because I'm holding up in the studio right now my handheld computer. We Old people know that as a telephone. Um, the, <laughs> the younger generations know it as... I, I don't know, their livelihood at this point, right? The young ones. I think particularly you being in education, you've seen less eyeball-to-eyeball -eyeball communication. And so I'm wondering how we connect as human beings in all of this global and really um, in the universe now. We're, we're in the solar system. So what do we call it when we go beyond the globe, you know, in the solar system? And there's, you know, folks up in Mars and a couple people over in Saturn. How does all of that work, you know? So I'm going to put that back on you. Oh, that's fair. And, and that's I, fair. I know you're getting ready to wrap this segment, but now that'll give you a couple minutes to think about how we respond to that. Well, it does. And, and, I, and I think this is worthwhile to talk about in more depth in our last segment today, because when you, it really gets into, as you said, what is the future of how human life is going to kind of develop based on some of the things that we've seen. So let's take, let's take our last break right here and come back in just a minute and explore a little bit of that possibility. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Beyond Dollars and Cents. I'm your host, Dr. Lyle Bolin, here in this edition of Bolin Alley. And um, we, we've gotten down into the weeds a little bit here, talking about the artificial intelligence and quantum computing. And 
I want to spend this last segment really talking about kind of the human side. You know, where do we, where do we go? Where does society kind of have a chance to go to that? Cause those are, those are tough questions. And if one of the things that I wasn't sure I was going to talk about today, but I, I think I can bring as in as kind of a model here is that human behavior will take a certain path and, and each individual sort of has a path that we take. And I think what a lot of these improvements can allow is for more actual human interaction. So you're saying more rather than less. Yes. Why? Because now less time has to be spent on things now that just for our livelihood or what other crisis comes up. It's, it's really those sort of things can be taken care of mechanically. We don't have to worry as much about some of the health issues that we do now. So things like, do I, am I going to have health insurance? Am I going to have long-term health care? Am I gonna, all of those, you know, what, but what happens if my job gets displaced by all these machines? We're going to have the ability to then really develop more of those relationships that a lot of people have a hard time developing if all they're worried about is where's their next meal come from? And, you know, what would I like to have learned that I never got a chance to learn when I was in school growing up, depending on, on your family situations. So the ability for that interaction where we can, where we can start to, to meet up with other people across a wider variety of cultures Mm-hmm. than we can now because a lot i think again this is just my personal opinion but i think the ability to share views with other cultures when you know people from other cultures and get a chance to talk to them you don't have those same biases that you have if all you've been told is about a culture that you don't know anything about because all you're around is your own so you're basically saying that the playing field is now level. Yes. Everybody has access to all of the same things. And and the 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 ability to learn not only in an area where your passion is, where you've been called to mm-hmm. serve, but the interaction with other people from other cultures from around the world to really get to know them on a personal level that it that you don't have the time to develop those relationships. I think is going to come up. And I think going back to, to something I may have mentioned in the past is I, the other kind of constraint is that I think we have an almost inherent constraint as to how many of those relationships we can develop. Mm-hmm. And so now you might have a few close friends where you work, you may know 30 or 40 people on a first-name basis. You might know a nodding relationship with more, depending on the kind of business you're in and, mm-hmm. and how, how much you actually pay attention to that. But now we might kind of find out through quantum computing and artificial intelligence, what's the right number, okay? We, we found out the number of the universe, by the way, as I recall. Uh, what was it? Across the galaxy, 42, I believe, is the number of the universe. I, I, I 
think I remember that correctly. 42, the ultimate answer to life, the universe, and everything. Thank you. And so, wouldn't it be a coincidence if by the time we really get into analyzing these millions of options, that it turns out the optimal number of people for us to have in an interrelationship with that we can really, would be 42. Wouldn't that be remarkable? But it's going to be a number like that, that we can then strive to really develop those close relationships. And if we, and we shouldn't try to go much beyond that, because then we really aren't going to... Diminishing. It's diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. Ironically, back in the day, when I was looking at uh, diversifying portfolios, I looked at what point... Now, this, by the way, is talking about an epiphany hitting you while you're live on the air. Okay, doing this podcast, I looked at diversification of stocks across different portfolios, not from the same industry and everything. Mm-hmm. And I and I ran. I said, all right. At what point does adding another security give you almost zero diversification effects? You know what that number was? It's got to be forty-two. It was forty-two. It was. Mm. I had not realized that till this very instant that. I re- when I used to teach the classes, I would always say 40, you know, mm-hmm. I, I would just say it was 40. But it, when I actually ran the model, it turned out it became indistinguishable addition literally at the number of 42. So my point is, is that having all of these things that we don't have to worry about, hopefully will allow us as individuals to develop those close relationships with more people across more cultures that really will help us understand where we all come from different places, but that we all are humans mm-hmm. <laughs> and that we have a guiding power and a guiding ethic that we should be monitoring and and we'll become better thinkers. And because we're better thinkers, I think we'll become better doers. And and by by doing those things of where we have our group, now think about it, if you've got a group of people across cultures, but now also realize their level of expertise that they've developed in whatever area that is can serve everybody else. And so you can get optimal improvement in different fields, in in different areas of whatever it is that you're doing, whatever area that you're doing, that until you get this level of expertise in the things that you don't have to worry about, you really can't go forward on. I, I know that might sound like a little bit of a utopia, and there will be other things that can get in the way. But to me, that would be the goal, is humans have to continue to have communication face-to-face with one another, close understanding of one another, and not lose sight of the fact that we are here to serve others. Does that... It, it absolutely makes sense, and it certainly sounds like utopia. And as you were walking us through that conversation, all I could think about was no more political ads, no more politics because of um, a more unified approach. And then there will be the contrarians who will come back and say, they tried that. It's called socialism or it's called communism or it's called, you know, and then and then have that battle sure. to deal with. But. And, and I don't see honestly that this this does not diminish the value of capitalism. 
And that's what I was going to ask about, capitalism, democracy, yeah. all of those and, things. And democracy still will, will work well within this model, as, as I've tried to envision it. But, but again, the capitalism, it still gets back to if you're trying to serve and doing the best, then that's going to be rewarded. Mm-hmm. And, Regardless and, of who or where. Right. And right. now you're not trying to say, I'm going to dictate and I know what's good for you. And, and so everybody sort of follows and is given the stuff from somebody that supposedly knows more than everybody. No, it's going to be all these other groups together are doing those things. And the ones that do it the best will obviously have a little more ability, a little more freedom in however we define that mm-hmm. at that point. So I, I don't think this would, I don't think this would be a path to socialism or communism at all. And it's not a path to um, poor communication no. based on what you just just described to us. No, and I think again, the importance of, of human interaction is is just we can't discount that. That's that's really, however much machines can do, it's it's that that real. The ability to connect human to human. Because we're Very still powerful. going to be human behavior that is driven by probabilities, that are driven by choices, mm-hmm. that that are going to come about, um, and the intermixing of all of those other options that everybody else has is going to lead to uh, unpredictable results. Mm. And And so on the one hand, you might think it will be very predictable, but on the other hand, it'll be unpredictable, but... What science is going to be able to do as we start to understand that we really are talking about things that are probabilities, that the interaction, the inherent ability of us to try to serve other people, to serve the power, to be the best we can be using these tools is really where I hope our end goal becomes. I know I've given you a lot to uh, ponder. I do hope you've enjoyed this conversation. I hope it it makes you think about things because within a generation or two, these are choices we're going to have to make. Thank you for joining us today. And again, if you would like to see more like this podcast, please go to Bowen's Alley at alleninvestments.com. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult with an appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. Guests appearing on the show and their respective companies are not affiliated with LPL Financial and Allen & Company. Investment advisory services offered through Allen & Company of Florida, LLC, Allen & Co., and its affiliate LPL Financial, LLC, LPL, Registered Investment Advisors. Securities offered through LPL, member FINRA, SIPC.